0: this morning on tales from the darkness we're going to look at another exciting story of God moving in the midst of a dark season in Israel's history Um, Israel's facing an army Uh, Saul is the king of Israel Saul was the first king of Israel and he was not a he did some good things but he was not a good king (laughs) and uh, they're facing an army much greater much powerful more strong than the Israelites. And as I start reading in verse 1, I think you'll recognize this story. 17.1 says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes-damim. Verse 2, And Saul, the king, and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Now the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley in between them, the valley of Elah. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Or let's say he was over nine feet tall. That's what he would be measured as, over nine feet tall. Maybe you've never seen this before in the first uh, verse or so, but it mentions Azekah. You know, one of the reasons why I love going to Israel is because the land tells the story of the Bible. The land of Israel proves the Bible is true. We, I didn't just read a fairy tale. I read a true historical story that actually took place. It mentions from Soko to Azekah so the last when we were there recently me and michelle we we went to Azekah, and on high on top of the mountain of Azekah is the the ancient remains of of that ancient city and so i took this picture overlooking the elah valley and plus I, i took my i edited it and i put where all the camps were and and this was just so amazing to have the bible story Right before our eyes. You can see Soko is, is the mountain all the way up. So it says from Soko to Azekah. So, so I, I pointed out where Soko was. And then you have the Philistines camp. The Philistines camped right where? On that mountain right there. There was a valley in between. And then I've got where the Israelites camped. And so you just get. It's just a, you can just get a, a wonderful lay of the land. And, and for 40 days. 40 days, every morning and every evening at Philistine giant Goliath. He came down from his encampment, walked down into the valley of Elah, and he shouted. Imagine that deep, guttural voice just taunting the Israelites. We were down in the valley of Elah, and this is down in the valley looking up at the the site where the Israelites camp. So you just get the picture of Goliath. He's intimidating. He's taunting the Israelites from their encampment. Send a man down. To fight me, to face me. And he's mocking them. And he's, he's mocking, he's defying, he says he's defying Israel. He's defying the God of Israel. He was intimidating. He was great. He was mighty. And that's what I'm preaching today. I'm preaching on giants in the darkness. Giants, the Goliath. How do you face the mighty Goliath who taunts and intimidates nonstop? mocking what do you do when let's say it like this what do you do when life becomes overwhelming what do you do when when life becomes too big to handle because this was an enemy too big to handle i know you've heard many metaphors of this story and you've you've there's a movie called facing the giants but i bet most of you know what it's like to face a goliath a spiritual goliath to face something too big to handle Maybe you're in that season right now where you are facing something too big to handle. This was the season that Israel was in. Maybe you're facing the effects of Goliath. Goliath has a way of, of just wreaking havoc. You know, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're facing a family situation too big to handle, a health situation too big to handle, a life issue. The problem is our natural tendency is to react like Saul and Israel. For it says in verse 11, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, it says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Yes, that's our normal reaction, isn't it? Dismayed and greatly afraid. The word dismayed means to be distressed, to be anxious. But one day a teenage shepherd boy named David came to visit the camp of the Israelites... David was somewhere between fifteen and seventeen years old, and he had three brothers who were in the army of Israel and he came out one day he went up to the, to the campsite and, and to bring supplies and, and to bring food and while he was up there delivering his goods and the cheese, it says cheese I mean it says he brought cheese I mean all <laughs> I mean that's just kind of funny to me I mean if you're Bring me some cheese. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't be wanting cheese if I, you know, here's Goliath, would you bring me some cheese, please? Would you like a little wine with that cheese? You know, it's just, but anyways, that's the story. While he was up there delivering the cheese, down in the valley, here comes Goliath, roaring and taunting. He's shouting up his normal taunts to Israel. But instead of being dismayed and greatly afraid, like King Saul, like the Israelites, when David heard Goliath, well, it ticked him off. It says in verse 26, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, who does he think he is? He's an outsider to the covenant of God. Hey, we are God's covenant people. We have been sealed through circumcision. Who is this, this mighty Goliath who's outside the, the covenant line of Israel? Who is he to defy us, to defy God, to defy God's covenant people? And David just can't, he couldn't get over why Saul and the armies of Israel, We're fearful. Here's the king. How how are you guys afraid of this? Afraid of this giant? Don't you know we're on the winning side? God is on our side. We're, we're, if we go out and face him, there's no way we can lose. And so they're there, and, and that really upset his brothers. I mean, he's upstaging his own brothers. But uh, and and but, but David's like, you know what? If if nobody will go out and face Goliath, well, I'll go out and I'll face Goliath. Oh, and that ticked off his brothers. But somehow David went before the king and convinced the king. To let him go face Goliath. You know the story how he tried on the armor. the, The king's armor. but He said nah. Just I got the Lord on my side. As a matter of fact look at verse 40. It says then he took his staff in his hand. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. Put them in his shepherd's bag. In a pouch. Which he had. And his sling. Was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistines. One of the coolest things for me about this site is that is at the bottom of the mountain where the, where the Israelites camped, at the bottom of that mountain, that brook is still there. And that was so amazing to me. Now it's dry in the summer but it still flows in the winter and in the springtime it flows during that rainy season as that was just so awesome I mean I'm telling don't, don't don't tell me the Bible's not true I've been there I've seen it and and that waters you know and and actually if you read stories of the kings it, it'll often say in the times in the season when the kings went to battle they usually went to battle in the winter time in the springtime, when the water was flowing in the rainy season so that way there would be ample water for the horses water for the men so so david he goes and and he gets five smooth stones from the water brook and even i even read that that the, the composition of the rocks in that area It's called the Ephala. It's that territory. The composition of the rock is 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 dense. It's like a basalt. It's it's a it's a hard. It's just a different a different type of rock. And so he goes and he gets five smooth stones, and then he sets out to face Goliath. The battle's about to take place. He draws near to Goliath. I've got another picture here. One more picture. I thought I'd show you. This is standing on top of the encampment the Israelites encampment looking down so so just imagine here's the king here's all his brothers them weaklings them wimps you know we're, we're judging them but actually we would probably be on the mountain looking down too wouldn't we and there goes little old David out there to the X he's got his stones and I just want to read verses 45 through 50 to you because I love this story and I can't I don't want to paraphrase this story. I want the word to just bring you encouragement. Look what David said to the Philistine, verse 45. He said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. Actually, Goliath was not only with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but he actually had an armor-bearer as well in front of him. So it wasn't just Goliath. There was an armor-bearer there. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. The name of the lord of hosts which is the lord Sabaoth, the lord of hosts the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied this day the lord will deliver you into my hand and i will strike you and take your head from you <laughs> man yeah that is a wow right there And this day, I mean, little shepherd boy. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Isn't that awesome? You're going to be bird food and, and meat for the coyotes and the wild animals. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. He doesn't need your He doesn't need armor. He doesn't need all that, that stuff. Kind of reminds me, have you seen the, the first Indiana Jones? You see that the, the Raiders of the Lo- where that guy comes out, Indiana, he just like, you know, and that guy just falls. That, the Lord he doesn't he doesn't need all the sword and the and the spears and, and all of that. For the battle, look at this, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his head so that the stone sank into his forehead. And Goliath fell on his face. I like how it describes. He fell face first. He didn't fall backward. It was face. He face planted in the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Amen. Is this the the most epic battle story? In history, I mean, what what an an awesome awesome story! You know, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. You don't even have to be a Christian, you know, to, you're going to know the story of David and Goliath. But what I want to do is I want to take a different perspective here from how it's normally portrayed, and I actually think it's the right interpretation of this story. So I just want to give you uh, give you a, a perspective different. From maybe the others teach it, all right? Here's, here's what we're gonna do. Here's, here, here, it, this message is about overcoming Goliath. So, the first point is that to overcome Goliath, here's number one. Number one, we need to recognize who Goliath is. That's the starting point. We know that he was extremely powerful, he was humanly impossible to defeat. Nobody, no, nobody would take him on. He was impossible to defeat by human effort. He made the entire army, the entire army of the Israelites, including the king, look like wimps. So under the subpoint of that first point, recognize who Goliath is. Well, who is he? What's he what are his attributes? Well, he was strong. He curses God. He mocks the people. He threatens their future. That sounds to me like Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Isn't isn't there a little comparison there? Do you see a comparison there? Revelation 12, verse 10 says, For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Just as Goliath accused and taunted the Israelites... Day and night. So Satan, the accuser of the brethren, accuses the believer day and night. Mocks, intimidates, flexes muscle day and night. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever ever had the, the accuser intimidate you and mock you day and night? You're laying in bed and that accuser's chirping in your ear, isn't he? you worthless, you're you, you failure, you're a terrible dad, a mom, you, you can't do this, you know, just, and day and night, everything you do, God wants me to do this, and, and you feel called to do, oh, no, you can't do that, you don't have what it takes. The accuser, because he's the accuser of the brethren. But, but look at the next verse, Revelation 12, verse 11. This is how the accuser was overcome. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, And they did not love their lives to the death. Now look, as a Bible teacher, I know that this is a prophetic scene that will take place during the tribulation period. I know that. You don't have to tell me. You're taking this out of context. I get the point. I taught Revelation. But somehow, I still think that we can draw application from this verse. Even though this is a future event, we can draw application from this verse today on how to overcome the accuser how to overcome Goliath notice what what did he say the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and loving not our lives so let's break this verse down this is going this is going to be a a good encouraging message right here the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and loving not our lives I'm going to break these down but I'm going to go in reverse order I'm going to start with number one loving not our lives Loving not our lives. What, is, what does this mean? Does this mean we are to hate our lives? <laughs> no, it, it, here's what it's Loving not our lives. Here's what biblically, biblically it simply means. Surrendering everything to God. It's not hating ourselves. It's surrendering ourselves to God. Jesus told his disciples, John 12, verse 25, those who love their life, those who are trying to protect it, those who are, who, who, who are trying to protect their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. In other words... He's saying if, if, you, if you want to reap blessings in the coming kingdom, if you want to reap, reap crowns and, and favor in the coming kingdom, it's about being totally surrendered to God. It's about abandoning what you want. It's about ab- abandoning your own desires so that you could follow Christ no matter what it costs you. No matter if they, no matter, even if they take your life, even if they abuse you, if they persecute you, that's what loving not our lives is. It's um, there, there used to be an old, song, Stephen Curtis Chapman said, we will abandon it all. This old song from the 90s, Christian contemporary, he said, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. That's what loving not our lives is. And I just find, I, I, I just think this is, this is such a good starting point to overcoming Goliath. Loving not our lives surrendering ourselves to god see that that epitomized david david was called a man after god's own heart david was a man that surrendered himself to follow god he was after god's heart he he abandoned his desire he he was after, he was on a pursuit for the heart of god and and he followed god even if it cost him his life i mean he, he's saying look if y'all don't go and face him i'll go see he was following god even if it cost him his life and a major step to overcoming Goliath the accuser that that the effects of the accuser that that thing that is too big to here's here's an important point it's to understand that that God doesn't ask you to to muster up more courage he doesn't ask you to to beef up and you, you know and, and try to get braver and and stronger no He says, surrender, surrender to me. The point is, if you're not surrendered to God, you'll end up surrendering to Goliath. You're not as powerful as Goliath and you never will be as powerful as Goliath. I promise you the devil is wiser than you. The devil is stronger than you. You you can't take him on on your own. Here's the key if you know that you can't take on Goliath, then just surrender to God and let God take on Goliath. If you surrender to God, Goliath will surrender to you. But if, you, but if you don't surrender to God, you'll end up surrendering to Goliath. So all the macho men, that I can take him on, I can do this, I can surrender to God. That's how you're going to take him on, right? Number one, number one, loving not our lives. That's our first key is we're, is we're going to surrender to God. Number two, the word of our testimony. You know, a, a major point that is almost always forgotten in this story is that Saul, King Saul, was the one who was supposed to defeat Goliath, not David. It was Saul who was the king. It was was Saul who the giant was before. David only came into the picture because Saul was disobedient to God he only came onto the scene after Saul refused to do what God had called him to do Saul's life consisted of a poor testimony Saul was inconsistent Saul was unfaithful Saul feared goliath more than he trusted in god and for that instead of him defeating the giant what would take place a while later is on on mount gilboa Saul, the giant that saul was called to defeat those giants defeated saul and did you know that saul died on the battlefield facing the philistines the same people that he was called to defeat he feared them And because of his poor testimony, he would end up falling to the Philistines. God allowed, listen to this, God allowed the people Saul was called to defeat to end up defeating him. Why? Because of his poor testimony. But on the contrary, God used David. And let's say it like this. God used the word of David's testimony to defeat Goliath david was faithful david was obedient to god david had a good testimony now forget about david's latter years we're talking about the david right now okay that's what we're focusing on david was faithful david was consistent he was faithful in the little things even while he was out in, in the in the fields watching the sheep you know he was he was practicing with the sling and he was he, he fended off the the lion and fended off the the bears out in there when it was just him and and the the flock. He was writing psalms. He was praising God. And and God would use David to do great things. Why? Because the word of his testimony, because of his testimony. There's power in his testimony. Let me reinforce this. What's the power in our testimony? Here's the power that overcomes the enemy In your test, the power is this faithful obedience to God. That's your testimony. That's where the power lies. Consistency. Consistency to follow God, being faithful to God, trusting God. The power lies in the consistency of your testimony. I love hearing testimonies. I love when people want to share stories and share testimonies. And it encourages me about what, what God has done in their life. I, I love seeing this. But, but on the contrary, I ha, I've been doing this for a while, y'all. I, I've been doing this for a while. I've I grown up in full time. My father's still in full-time ministry. So I've seen the human nature. I, I, I'm a student of the human nature I love seeing the testimonies and, and the fire and the zeal and God saved you and, and you got on fire. But, but it does sadden me because often those same people that share those stories of, of fire and excitement, a little something happens and they lose their zeal. And I don't like that. I don't like seeing that. that. That's what saddens a pastor. You love the fire, but, but, but sometimes you'll see a little thing will come their way and it'll trip them up. They'll fall. They'll lose their zeal. Maybe they make a mistake. And instead of running back to God and and running to, to godly people, they run away that Goliath has them accused and condemned. They're faithful for a while, but when the going gets tough, they become unfaithful and inconsistent. See, that kind of testimony doesn't overcome Goliath, does it? As a matter of fact, a poor testimony... It's fuel for the fire for the accuser. Because what what does Goliath do? As soon as you trip up, as soon as you fall, as soon as you do something stupid, he's right there to shame you. He's just adding fuel to the fire. He's there to shame you. He's there to accuse you and condemn you. You call yourself a Christian. Look at what you did. You can't, and and what happened? He wants to see you run away. He wants to see the the fire. He wants to see the zeal fall because because a powerful testimony, a consistent testimony, testimony overcomes the enemy it's consistency it's not about a sprint it's it's about the journey and and I'm staying Now, now look now look you're gonna make mistakes aren't you we're gonna sin we're gonna fall but but here's what faithfulness is faithfulness is even when I'm unfaithful I get back up and I run back to the faithful one who offers mercy and grace I'm not up here preaching that a faithful testimony is perfection it's legalism. It's demonic. You know, I'm not here saying that, that a, a faithful testimony is trying to become a perfect, sinless Christian. No, a faithful testimony is when you fall, when you're a bad Christian, you get up, you run back to the Lord. You keep that repentant heart. You keep that humble heart. That's why Hebrews says, let us come boldly. To the throne of grace. See, here, here's here's what here's what the here's what the power of our testimony. Here's ultimately what it rests in. Our testimony has to rest in Christ's testimony. You don't have a testimony apart from Christ. You 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 cannot get focused. Like I said, you cannot get focused on perfection. You'll fall. The accuser will come in and he'll, he'll, he'll for But you have to stay focused on Christ's testimony for you. Specifically, he was faithful to you through his cross and resurrection. He was faithful to me. He was faithful to you. He was faithful to forgive you and forgive me when, when we were unworthy. See, when we focus on his testimony for us, uh, I, I am nothing apart from the testimony of Christ. That's what brings power to my testimony, thus overcoming the enemy, the power of the testimony. Amen? So we have, we have loving not our lives. We have a powerful testimony, a consistency, staying faithful. You know what? I know this is simple. And I know we all rely on God's grace. I, I, I know it's, it's only by God's grace that we don't trip up and fall. It's only by God's grace that I'm still pastoring, that I haven't fallen. And, and there's so many temptations. But, but here's the point. I believe you can make up your mind to be consistent. Don't make up your mind to be Just say, I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be consistent with God's help. I want the testimony that I have now. To be said of me when I die don't you want that mothers fathers don't you want don't you want your kids to say yeah. he had a testimony yeah. he wasn't perfect yeah. but he stayed faithful oh, yeah. can you see how Goliath falls with a faithful testimony yeah. number three the third part which is actually where John the revelator opened up what overcomes the enemy The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. To live as an overcomer over Goliath. Our soul has to be anchored to the fact that Jesus has already won the victory over Goliath. Through the blood. Say through the blood. Through the blood. We have, to, we have to, our hearts, our, our mind has to stay fixed that Jesus has already won the victory over death, over hell, over the grave, over all the power of the enemy by means of the blood of the Lamb. See, don't you know, Goliath wants you to look to everything else but the blood. Goliath's okay with you listening to preachers that only give positive messages. He's okay with that. He's okay with, with listening to songs that only talk about me, 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 me. He's, he's okay with you looking to yourself. He just doesn't want you looking to the blood. Because the blood is where the victory lies. That's why I like singing songs about the blood of Jesus. I, you know, you know, you know. We don't need to. I don't want to look to myself. The more you look to yourself, the more condemned you're going to become. The more the more weak you're going to feel, and and you're going to be stressed. And right, we got to look to the blood, right? The blood of the Lamb. See, Goliath's trying to define how the battles fought and won. But you got to understand, Jesus has already defined the battle and has already won the battle. He fought it through the cross. He won it with His blood. There you go. Goliath's already been defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Loving not our lives. Keeping that faithful testimony, our testimony resting in Christ's testimony, and staying fixed upon the blood of Jesus, we overcame him. We overcame him. We overcame him. But here's what I want to do as I wind down. With all that in mind, we've recognized who Goliath is. Now I want us to recognize who the hero is, who the real hero of this story is. When we read this story and, and we've heard it being told, most people think of David and Goliath as the ultimate underdog story. The underdog takes on the mighty champion Goliath and defeats him and becomes the hero. That's how this story is taught. You can become a hero. The mighty Goliath has fallen. It's an an analogy for life, isn't it? It's an analogy for business and success. It's an analogy for sports. The the mighty, the long shot has finally defeated Tom Brady (laughs) and Tom Brady has fallen. The mighty Goliath, you know, the, the Goliath has fallen. The problem is this analogy does the story an injustice because when we have this analogy, when we read this story through those lens, we miss the whole point of the story. We miss the point God is trying to speak to us. Because here's what I want to show you as we close. Goliath wasn't the champion. And David wasn't the underdog who became the hero. No actually Goliath was the underdog and God was the champion because from God's perspective this battle wasn't between David and Goliath this battle was between God and Goliath and and for that Goliath, the underdog, and God is the champion. And David knew it. David wasn't trying to become a hero. He was just a representative of the hero. What did he tell Goliath in verse 45? I come to you, not in my own ability, I come to you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord of hosts, I come to you in the name of God the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied he, he's you have a, you, this this beef isn't between me and you this beef is between you and god yeah. verse 47 the battle is the Lord's <laughs> he, he flat out I mean t- right to his face this is God's battle this isn't my battle he will give you into our hands see David knew that God had already defeated Goliath before he even stepped foot on the battlefield, because God is and will always be the hero of the story the champion of the story David was just a representative to the hero and that Goliath that you're facing in the darkness that that the effects you're so rattled you're so dismayed you're so fearful I want you to understand Goliath is not the champion Goliath is not the champion Goliath is the underdog David is the champion I'm sorry God is the champion I'm sorry I messed that up that means you don't have to try to be a hero or a champion you don't have to try to be anything you're not after all there can only be one hero in the story see that's why that's why I don't like how this story is is often betrayed portrayed because so often they they try to make make us out to be the underdog who can actually become a hero but no we can't become the hero of the story I'd hear I'd hear that portrayed like that. And and I didn't know if if I was more intimidated by Goliath or by David. (laughs) You know, when you hear it taught that way, you can be a David. You can be a David. You can be a David. I was just as intimidated by David because there's no way I could be David. There's There's no way I can take on this giant. But we're not called to be the hero. We're not called to be the champion. There's only room for one champion. Goliath is the underdog. Jesus is the champion. Jesus is the champion who already won the victory by means of the cross and resurrection. We're just representatives of the hero. You want to know how to overcome Goliath? Just go as a representative of the hero. That means you're not going, try to, you're not going trying to overcome Goliath. You're, you're, you're there knowing that he's already been overcome through Jesus, through the champion you're not trying to obtain a victory. You're there through the victory that the champion, that the hero has already obtained. That means all the effects, all the effects of Goliath has already been overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of a testimony, by not loving all that depression and, and anxiety, all those strongholds, they've already been overcome. And see, I just want, that's, that's why we, all we have to do is approach Goliath through the blood of the Lamb, a word of our testimony, loving not our lives. Amen. Amen. I want everybody to stand up to your feet. And I just want to give praise to the hero. Let's give the hero praise right now. Are, are you glad to, to be a representative of the hero? Bless his name. Bless his name. I've asked Lindsay to sing this song and let the worship team lead us in this song. Champion.
1: You are my champion. time
0: their heads right now in the presence of God let's bow our heads and let's humble ourselves before him Father we, we recognize that you are the champion you are the hero we're, we're not the underdog actually we're less than the underdog we're unworthy we're unworthy to even step foot onto the battlefield we, we, we step out through what the hero has accomplished and, and I just want to give everybody an opportunity right now to receive Jesus into your heart. To receive the champion, the hero into your heart. I pro- you're, you're not going to have victory unless, unless you receive the victorious one into your heart. And today can be a, a life-changing day for you. By receiving Jesus as your Savior. Today could be the day that, that you start living victorious. Today could be the day that you start developing that, that power, the, the word of your testimony. Would you pray with me right now? If if, I'm I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, I'm telling you, it's not complicated to get saved. You just gotta abandon your desire. You gotta abandon your. You just gotta give up and surrender to the Lord. That that's it. I wanna lead you in a prayer, and if you're really mean business with God, I want you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, I know that you went to the cross for me. Jesus, I know that you shed your blood for me. I can't save myself. As a matter of fact, the harder I try, the worse mess I make. I give you my life. Just say that. I give you my life. I come through the blood. I give my life to you. Give myself to you. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I want to choose to live for you all the days of my life. Just a prayer, just a humble prayer. God, God. It, it's not in your words, it's in your heart. It's, it's the humble prayer of your heart, receiving what the champion has done for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, we're, we're responding, we're, we're searching our heart. I just pray in Jesus' name that every person that prayed that prayer and means business with you, I pray that you would meet them where they're at and that you would touch them and, and that they would... Make a decision today to follow you. And now, Father, in Jesus' name, for for those that have been trying to face Goliath on their own, for the believer, the Christian, those who they've prayed, the they they know that Jesus is their Savior. I just want to pray for those who have been trying to battle Goliath in their own ability and and strength. and, it, and, and Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that they would be encouraged in the Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would just reveal, oh, what a mighty champion they have on their side. That we're not called to do life alone. We're not called to battle on our own. the, the fact, Church, keep your heads bowed. But here's, here's the fact. The fact of the matter is David could have walked out. And face Goliath with water balloons and Goliath would have failed because he, we, we make a big deal about the, the stones and the sling and how good he was that, that was beside the point he could, have just walk, he could have just walked out there and said God do your thing and Goliath would have failed because he knew whose side he was on and see that's what I want you to see it's not in your ability well I can do more for the church I can do this I need to get better it's not in that it's just turning it over to the champion and let the champion fight your battle And I pray that over you, that spirit of courage, that spirit of of David over you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name that strongholds fall. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that, that the, the, the addictions fall to Goliath and, and, and Goliath, all those effects and, in Jesus' name and, and depression and suicide and mental issues that, that the enemy has messed up our mind and caused us to believe a lie. That, that falls to the power of the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Jesus name in Jesus name set the captives free Set the captives free in the name of Jesus. Devil, you've, you've, got, you've got people bound, but I speak the blood of Jesus against you in the name of Jesus. Strongholds that are built up in, in people's mind. The, the, the Bible says we can cast down strongholds and we cast down everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. So I rebuke those strongholds in Jesus' name. We're not oppressed we're not depressed we're not mentally messed up we're we're not we're not suicidal in Jesus name because what the enemy meant for evil we know that God is turning it around for the good we've got life we've got life And, and this spirit of life a spirit of life in Jesus name life, 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 life God I believe you're releasing life over our nation in the name of Jesus we are and, and listen we're pro-life not just in the womb but all the way through the tomb pro all the way all life all life all life all life even after birth we know that we are called to do great and mighty things we're overcomers through the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and and loving not our lives we're surrendered to you god we know that the world's gonna think we're crazy they're, they're gonna they're gonna try to they're gonna mess with us but father We know that when we're surrendered to you, Goliath surrenders to us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, give him praise, give him praise. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise.
1: Come on, give him praise. Give him praise.
0: God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll have prayer partners down front. We'll be happy to pray with you. God bless. Have a great week.